0: Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Team. Amen. It is so good to be here this morning. And what a nice group of mothers we have represented here this morning. Amen. Thankful for our mothers. Hallelujah. I think about my uh, my mom and my goodness, she had uh, she had seven kids by the time she was thirty-three. <laughs> Whew. man, that's a lot of kids, especially if you have just one or two like me. You, yeah, you got your hands full. But we are thankful, and it is uh, what a what a great report from our youth on Friday night. You had a great service. Thank you to all of those that participated. And uh, we hear hear that that, uh, Cooper, Cooper did a good job in speaking to the young people. Cooper, keep it up, buddy. Amen. And we are looking forward to Sebastian being baptized, his good friend of Easton's. And we also were going to have a second baptism. Amen. Uh, Connor. Connor is going to be Ooh. baptized. This is a young boy that was filled with the Holy Ghost last summer. Was it last summer? He received the Holy Ghost and his parents have given him permission to get baptized today. All right, amen. We're going to call your attention this morning to the book of Genesis, chapter number 16 and chapter number 17. going to read verses 1 and 2 from Genesis 16. And we're going to read verses 15 and 16 from chapter 17. I'm going to ask if they would turn those lights way down up here. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. In other words, from having children. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And 17, verses 15 and 16. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be, shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. I'd like to speak to you this morning on this thought. Sarah, the mother who gave us promise. Amen. Sarah, the mother who gave us promise. And I'm wondering... They got the strobes going for me or what, man? Let's go. Uh, praise God. I'm going to ask Brother Clementson if he would please pray this morning. And would you join with us? Just lift your hearts to the Lord here for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And um, we hope that all of you after service, after you witness our baptisms, that you are going to enjoy, amen, a great Mother's Day with your families. Someone, someone wrote, there are four things a mother really would like from their kids four things. Put one of these on your list today if your mother is alive. Number 1, a visit. Number 2, a hug. Number 3, a phone call. And number 4, simply the words, I love you, mom. It's all that. Those are those are really when it comes to moms, Dads, I don't know, you know, probably somewhat of the same thing, but those are the things that a mother appreciates more than whatever gift that you're going to give her today. They want you to tell them, to visit them, because I can stand, as many of us here today, we can stand before you as a witness that one day your mother will not be here, and you will understand the significance of what she did for your family and you in particular. And how many times were you upset at mom or dad, but we're picking on moms today, and instead of being upset, you should have said, mom, I may not agree with you. But I love you. Amen. Would the mothers agree with that? Amen. And every mother has a story to be told for sure. Moms, you got a story that you could, you know, you could write at least a short story about it. But our Mother's Day message today is going to focus on the life of Sarah. Sarah's story is a life of struggle. Marriage wasn't a problem. Like most young ladies, she probably married around the age of 16, and I'm pushing that upwards, okay? More likely, it was younger than that. Don't get any ideas, young lady, okay? That's probably not a good thing in today's world. Sarah's challenge was not her beauty because we see later on in her story that the king of Egypt was impressed and attracted to her beauty when she was 75. That's what it says. In fact, he wanted to marry her. And, no, Sarah's challenge in life was the fact that she was barren. Having children was considered normal for a woman, and is today, if you're a woman, okay? That is the natural that comes along with womanhood, and who was it, Brother Jeff or somebody? Yeah, I mean, okay, guys, we have our part, right? But it takes a lady, it takes a woman to keep the human race going. Okay? We are totally dependent on mothers to keep the human race going. And so having children was considered as today normal for a woman And to the believer, I'm talking about a believer in God, okay, as we know him today through the word of the Lord. To the believer, being able to procreate or multiply was part of God's blessing spoken into the lives of Adam and Eve in creation. You've read it. Can I get an amen out there? That was part of God's blessing. And so, not being able to conceive and give birth to children was looked on as God not blessing your life. Nobody wants to be there. How many of you believe God has blessed your life? A couple of hands go up. <laughs> I mean, it's not a good thing in any era of time, to have people think about the idea that something is wrong, something is abnormal, and then on top of that, if you are a believer in the Jehovah God of the Old Testament and Jesus Christ of the New Testament, nobody wants to to think of you as someone that God is withholding his blessing from. And because, of course, if, if Mary, and the, really the primary purpose of marriage is to keep the human race going. Now, in today's world, for many years, they have diluted it into just the physical act. But in God's plan, the ultimate purpose of man and wife, was to keep the human race going. And it's been the thought of some Bible scholars that Abraham may have been introduced to Jehovah, the God of the Old Testament, by one of Noah's sons. Because according to the Old Testament timeline, Noah was still alive when Abraham was born. Wow. So the first time we hear of Sarai is Genesis eleven twenty nine 29 and 30. And it simply mentions her as Abraham's wife. But we're told that she was barren. Brings it out very clear to us. She was Abraham's wife, Abram's wife at this point. But she was barren. She had no child. Genesis 12, 1, Abraham is instructed by God. He says, Abraham, you need to get out of your country, get away from your family, get away from your father's house, and I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you. We know that is the promised land. We know that is the nation of Israel and all the land that encompasses a a great part of that territory outside of the current boundaries of Israel. And he said, Abram, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Now, Course, we know the rest of the story, and we believe that when God speaks something to you, He speaks it as if it's already happened. You may not have arrived yet, but when God speaks His word, He speaks it as if it's already a done deal. In His mind, it's already taken place. Just like in His mind, the rapture of the church is already taken place. Hello. In his mind, things are already wrapped up and he's got that great place prepared for his espoused bride. In his mind, you and me, all of us, hopefully, in his mind... He sees us sitting around at our very distinct table place in the marriage supper of the Lamb. He sees us there. We just haven't got there yet. There are some of us here today, that, and maybe children here today, and young people, in God's mind... He's already spoken into your life a place of His calling, just like Abraham. And to him, it's already as if it's already taken place. But you have got to get there. He said, Abram, I will. Verse number 5, Abram took Sarai... Which means, my little princess. Okay, hold on to that. That's what Sarai means. So in the eyes of Abraham, Sarai was his little princess. Come on, man. When we dated our wives, was she not our little princess? Sure. In Abraham's eyes... Even though Sarai was barren, she still carried the name in Abraham's eyes, my little princess. Genesis 16 and 3 tells us after making that hike, if you will, from Ur into Canaan, which was about 1,000 miles. That's very low conservative, by the way. You know, they just went to the airport. (laughs) Took the two-hour flight. 1,000 miles. How long does it take you to walk a thousand miles. This journey that God has called us is longer than we probably thought. How many of you thought that the rapture was going to take place the first few years that you gave your heart to God? Right? How many of you read the book 1988, 88 reasons why that the Lord was going to come in 1988? The journey sometimes is a lot longer, and we struggle with a lot more things than we anticipated. But the thing that we have got to get a hold of is that our job is to get to the destination of our calling. And the Bible says it is a high calling. In fact, it is your high calling, not mine. God called you. He called... My mission in life is to get to the place where he called me to get to. Your mission in life is to get to the place where God called you to. Thousand miles. We're told in chapter number 16 that after they had been in the land of promise ten years, still Sarai bare Abram no children. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from having children. Was she wrong? No. She was right. How old was she? 75. More than likely. Okay? Because... She had struggled with this particular issue all of her life, probably for at least 60 years. She says, it is apparent, Abram, that although God has instilled in you this promise of becoming some fantastic, great person on the earth, but it is apparent that he has restrained me in her thinking from being part of the solution. I must be part of the problem. I wouldn't blame her, would you? I mean, that's normal thinking. Are you with me? And she says, here's Hagar. Be careful when you visit Egypt, okay, because you're coming out with some stuff. And Hagar was one of them. Says, here's Hagar, my servant. Take her for a second wife, and maybe I can obtain children by her. She was trying to help. She wasn't trying to conflict Abram. She was trying to help Abram in his, in the plan that God had for his life. She, that's what she was doing. And, of course, we know Ishmael enters her lives. And, of course, Sarai is more devastated than ever because now her husband loves a son that she could not give him. Sarai needs help. But how can she ever get over the fact that she is barren and God has blessed Abram abundantly? Abram is being blessed of God. If you read chapter number 13 and verse number 2, Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. God was blessing him. God had got him to the place that he promised that he would get him to. His life was doing well. Ishmael had come into his life, and Abram had had accepted that to be the rightful heir that God was going to flow through And ultimately become a great nation of people. He took it that that must be the plan. But Sarai, as a wife, she has only one mission. And that is to be able to become a mother. Are you with me? Sarai, hang in there. There is a word coming for Sarai. Genesis 17, 1 through 8. And when Abram was 99, the Lord appears to him. He says, Abram, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And he says, furthermore, neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, which means exalted father, but your name from me this day, I'm going to rename you. Your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude. You see, even from Abram's birth, his name meant exalted father. He had to wait until he was 88 years old even to become, even to live up to his name. (laughs) Names were important back then. If your name was Abram, you were expected to be at least, at a bare minimum, you you were... uh, expected to be a father. <laughs> you, God's thoughts, God's intentions are so far above anything that you and I can think. You see, we are trying to fulfill what we think is the will of God through a natural means. And God is waiting because he wants to birth through us a miracle that nobody can ever deny. He wants you to become part of a miracle. He don't want people to look at you and just say, well, he apparently is living up to his name finally, but God shows up and he says, Abram, your name is not no longer going to be just exalted father. I'm going to name you the father of a multitude. And if you'll step outside and look up at the sky, you see all of those stars? Your your family is going to be more numerous than the stars if you could even count them. Whew. Now listen to this. Your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude, for a father of many nations have I made. All right? In other words, it's not that I'm going to. He's already speaking to Abraham, and he's saying, Abraham, I am changing your name because in my eyes... uh, I see in the future, not just a nation of Israel, but I see all nations being blessed by you and seeing somewhere around a billion Christians walking this planet called earth. He didn't say, I will make you. He said, no, Abraham, I have made you already. In the present tense. It's a done deal. And God said unto Abraham, now he calls him Abraham. As for Sarai, thy wife, when you go home today, you are not going to call her my little princess anymore. You are going to rename her Sarah. Well, what's the difference? Well, because Sarah means royal princess. Royal princess. In other words, Abraham, you think That she is, her priority in life is to be your little princess. No, her priority in life is I'm going to do a miracle in her life. And she is going to birth the promised son. And she is my royal. She is my royal princess. I'm going to birth something in her that the world will be astounded. Oh, we need to be careful. We think that, and I speak carefully here, you and I, we sometimes think as parents that those children are under our authority and they are to a certain degree, but listen carefully, you may name them But there also might be a day when God says, all right, I am renaming them. They belong to me. You need to understand that that when I birth this son called Isaac, the promised one, he is not going to be your son. He is going to be my heir. You call, when you step in that door today, I want you to call her Sarah. Hey, Sarah, I, hon, I just had a word from God today, okay? He renamed you. No longer can I call you my princess, my little princess. God said I got to call you a royal princess. Your name is now Sarah. You are royalty beginning today. Well, but royalty, that means that kings, that means that princes must come from me. Abram, Abraham, I'm sorry, God renamed you too. (laughs) But you're telling me that God changed my name and yes, I, now he spoke to Abraham, okay? He said, Abraham, you start calling her royal princess because I'm going to show up in about nine months' time and you will understand that she is going to give birth to the promised son. Watch this. But it's your job to speak this word into her life for the next nine months. Whoa. But I'm speaking into barrenness, God. I know. I want you to understand that I just changed your name, no. And she will conceive and give birth to a son that I am going to claim. Speak into you're calling bar, you're you're speaking into barrenness, you're speaking, you're speaking abundance, you're speaking authority and power and nobility. You're calling something that is barren? That was his job. Oh, royal princess. Well, hey, I appreciate you calling me that, but the next chapter. Oh, listen. He says, Abram. Abraham, you're to speak this into her life. The next verse, listen to this. You speak this into her life, and here's what I will do. I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nation. Kings of people shall be of her. No, not Ishmael, Abraham. I'm telling you that your wife, Sarah, is going to give birth to the promised child. And it is through him when you speak. Your job is to speak what I have told you to speak into that barren life. Oh, my, 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 my. There's... That's powerful stuff right there, folks. Sarah, thy wife shall bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac. I'm naming him. You put the name on him, and I will establish my covenant with him. Well, wow. Wow. Genesis 18, the Lord appears in person. Say what you will. Verse number nine. Where's Sarah, your wife? You know, the one you've been calling royal princess for, the, for a while. He said, Where? We know the story. How that she uh, hears the conversation, she starts laughing. But the Bible says she laughs with them. Okay, she doesn't. She's not brave enough to laugh at God on the outside, but on the inside. Oh, my, my, my. Oh, God. I know you can... You know, some preacher, somebody says, Oh, God is going to inside. We do a little smirk. We won't laugh at God's promises on the outside. But, oh, inside sometimes... We have a little bit of doubt and a little bit of humor thinking that God is restrained. Lord appears to him, where's Sarah, your wife? Well, she's in the tent. He says, well, here's what. He says, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son... And Sarah heard it in the tent door and laughed within, saying, After I am waxen old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. Young people, you can plug your ears, and the adults can read between the lines. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Why did Sarah lie? And here is one of the most powerful scriptures that you will ever hear coming from the entire word of God. Speaking into this couple that had struggled so much all of their life, God says this, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah, you have struggled all of your life. You are 90 years old. Your husband is 100 years old. You have fought this giant forever and a day, but I am here today to tell you that your barrenness is gone by the wind, and I will certainly return here at the appointed time next year, and you will have that promised son, Isaac, that is causing you to laugh today. Genesis 21.1, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived, and bare Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time of which God had spoken, and they named him Isaac. And Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear about our good news will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah, at a hundred years old, and at ninety years old, that Sarah would be nursing a child. You can only imagine, as that story went out, though you what could you do but laugh? Are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah, here it is. You know, it's one thing. It's one thing. They laughed. They laughed prior to her conception. But when she was about seven months pregnant, they weren't laughing no more. They were saying, Whoa, I don't know exactly how God brought this to pass, Abraham. And I don't really know who your God is. But I know one thing. I cannot deny what has taken place in your life. You have, your wife has become pregnant with promise prior and before and after anything that should have been taken place. Who can deny it? I believe that the church is pregnant with promise. I believe that I believe that this in we are we are the son of his old age if you will. We are the church's 2000-year-old son. I believe that we are pregnant with the promises of God that declares to us that the church, the church is alive. Why? Because he's alive. Who's laughing now? We're going to wrap things up here, but listen carefully. Isaiah fifty-one two, we're told to look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth in pain. What says? You read the rest of that. Talks about Zion, but it says you need to look. You need to look to Abraham, your father, and you need to get. You need to look to Sarah, who gave you birth in pain. We are only here today because of this dynamic couple, the father of the faithful, and that dear wife of his called Sarah, the royal princess of God. You and I sit here today because of what they went through in order to produce and give birth to ultimately the church. It's not easy. Paul writes in Galatians 4, But the Jerusalem above, that is the way of faith, represented by Sarah. Whoa, did I read that right? But the Jerusalem above, that is the way of faith, represented by Sarah, is free. She is our mother. Verse 28 says, And we, believing brothers and sisters like Isaac, Are you ready for this? Our children, not merely of physical descent like Ishmael, but our children born of promise, born miraculously. You and I are here today as sons and daughters that are birthed by the promise that God has established in His people. We know Paul writes, this speaks of the allegory. And we we don't have time, but there came a point where Sarah says, You got to cast out that bondwoman and her son. Yeah, she did. Hagar, you're done. Ishmael, boom. You're out of here. Listen carefully. So then, believers who are born again, Reborn from above spiritually, spiritually transformed, renewed, set apart for his purpose, are not children of a slave woman, the natural, but of the free woman, the supernatural, the new birth. Listen carefully as we close here this morning. Luke 24 49, he says, Listen carefully. I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Ghost upon you. Remain in Jerusalem until you are clothed, fully equipped with power from on high. You are to wait, what? For the promise. Acts 1 and 4, as you stand, we're told, they said, wait for the promise of the Father, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. We're talking about that Sarah, that mother of the Old Testament, that mother of the faithful that she gave birth To the first son of promise. But the church today, we are the mother on earth in God's kingdom. We are to give birth. Every time we open this book, every time we baptize somebody, you are being born again. Not of the natural, but God is saying, son, I've got a name for you. Your natural parents don't know it. But I know it, and it's recorded in heaven. I've got a new name for you. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Acts two thirty-eight and 39. The message, the message, the message, the message, the message of promise. That the message of the promise is that, that you must be born again. It's a miraculous birth. Got to, you can't accept Ishmael. You've got to go beyond that. You've got to reconcile the differences between you, your natural man, and your heavenly father. His name is Jesus. He wants to birth you. He wants to empower you. birthday of the church. The birthday of the church is found in Acts 2. There is no church up until the day of Pentecost. There you cannot find the church until it was birthed. It was birthed with promise. This church does not come into existence until you are born with the promise that comes from heaven, not on earth. Whew. They were baptized, and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter stood up. He preached the new earth. He said, men and brethren, what shall we do? I, I, I don't feel right anymore. The, the Word of God has come to I, I don't what do I need to do? Peter's, it's not by accident that Peter preached the first message. He was called, he was ordained, he had the keys. Yeah. says, Repent. Repent. I don't want to repent. Nobody wants to repent. You know why? Because that is telling everybody around you that you are no good for nothing. For the most part, you understand what I'm saying? You're a bum like the rest of us. Okay? We're just sinners, that us that are here this morning that have been born again. We're simply sinners saved by grace. You haven't been born again. You're still a sinner. Peter stood up and he says, you got to repent. Well, repent, was that? that means that You've got to accept the idea that if you're going to come to God and live for God, you no longer belong to you or those around you, you belong to me. You are going to be my royal son. You are going to be part of my royal nation. You don't belong to you nor anyone else. I use caution there. I hope you know you understand what I'm saying. He says, You gotta repent. That means you gotta psh, turn around. You gotta rethink. You gotta think accordingly to the Word of God. You gotta think according to the words that are coming across the place that you assemble and that you worship in. And he says, and you must, you've got to be baptized. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission, for the remission, not, listen to me, not just for the forgiveness of your sins, but for the washing away of your sins as if they no longer exist. Sure, God forgives you at repentance. But he wants you to enjoy more. He wants you to enjoy the abundant life. That means you've got to come to a mindset where it's not just forgiving. God wipes your slate clean as if you never robbed that bank. Well, God can't do that. Well, apparently he can. Well, God can. Come on now. God can't do it. God can't give Abraham no kid at a hundred. Who are you kidding? Well, apparently he can. God can't build a universe. I mean, that was just something that all of a sudden just went poof. And there was a monkey. Well, apparently he can. God can't change your life. Well, is anything too hard? Yeah, it's... I tell, you know what I tell my old friends? I says, I was so bad. I was so... I was so at a down place in my life that it literally took all of God to help me out. Yeah. And even He is challenged at times. said, whoa, you must have been... No. You know what I'm saying? Peter says you've got to be baptized. You've got to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall, 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 you shall shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's one thing to forgive. It's another thing to wipe your slate clean. But then he wants to give to you his gift. If Brother Jeff. Here you go. Now I'm going to be an end end giver, but you'll get the gist of it. You want a gift from God? Well, here it is. It's a gift. It's a gift. Do you have to work for a gift? Moms, you got to work for a gift today? You got to beg? No, you got to follow the plan. Repent and be baptized, and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Because he wants to give you the power. Bible says that John preached water baptism, but he couldn't deliver the power. Why? Well, because there's only one that can deliver the power. That's the one that has the power. His name is Jesus. He wants to give you a gift. He wants to literally put a part of himself, invest a part of himself in you. Now imagine... The spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Okay, imagine that. Now, just the impossible, of course. But what if God could put a little chunk of that in you? Whoa, well, that's impossible. I know it's impossible, but do you know what? He does it. Yeah, he does it. But here's the deal. Peter doesn't end there, does he? He doesn't end there. What does he say? Thank you, Brother Colton, for the promise. For the promise. The promise. The promise that Sarah suffered all of her life to give birth to. The promise that Abraham suffered making mistakes and going through all the nonsense that he went through, being laughed at, being called a father when he was not a father, Sarah being mocked and ridiculed all of her life up until she was 90. But on her birthday, that 90th year, I want you to know that she was parading in front of those people. She was showing them the miraculous that God did for her. Peter said, for the promise... For the promise is to you and to your children and to all those afar off. Not far out, okay, but afar off. As many as the Lord, our God, shall call. This is the call. You have heard the call. This is the good news. That the church is pregnant. The good news is you don't know it yet. But you're about to be born. God's got your name picked out. He wants to birth you. We're going to open up the front here. We're going to give you an opportunity to seek the Lord for a few minutes. We're going to... Listen, maybe God has spoken a word into your life. Maybe he has promised you things and you've struggled with all sorts of different things. I'm here to declare to you that this could be the day that God changes everything in your life.